0: Dear Heavenly Father, in the times that we live in, we are thankful that we can set this day aside to show you our gratitude for the many blessings that you've given us, for the blessings that you've given us of. the bountiful physical blessings in this country that we have for the spiritual blessings that you've given us in your son and for the blessings that we can look forward to in heaven of eternal life with you through faith in the redeeming work of your son on the cross. We pray that you would be with us in this day, that you would help our hearts to be focused on our gratitude toward you. Lord, We know you know the hearts of each one. You know those who are suffering in some way, who are struggling to feel that thanksgiving or that gratitude, and we pray that you would be with them in this day and provide healing and strengthening. But we pray that you would help us to to focus on all that you have done for us, that you would help us to focus on the blessings that you've given us, and that you would help this day to be one of joy and gratitude for each of us. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to start today by reading Psalm 113. Psalm 113. Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun... Unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations, and his glory above the heavens. Who is like unto the Lord, our God, who dwelleth on high, who humbleth himself to behold the things that are in the heaven and in the earth? He raises up the poor out of the dust, and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill, that he may set him with princes, even with the princes of his people. He maketh the barren woman to keep house, and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. First of all, I'm sorry, Stephanie, I, I... Missed acknowledging you. <laughs> we're very glad that you're here also. And I'm hoping I didn't miss anyone else. But we're thankful for each one who came here today. I want to talk about Thanksgiving in three segments. I want to talk about Thanksgiving past. I want to talk about Thanksgiving present and I want to talk about Thanksgiving future. First of all, Thanksgiving past. While many secular historians point to the fact that as long as there's been an agrarian society, there has been some type of, of harvest celebration throughout the history of mankind, I want to go back, and I want to start with the, the Jewish Thanksgiving. If we look in Leviticus and also in several other places in the first five books of the Bible, we will see that the seventh month was very important to the Jewish people. The first day of the month started with the Feast of the Trumpets, which today the Jewish nation calls Rosh Hashanah. The trumpets heralded in a 10-day period of repentance for the Jewish people. This is the practice that is is, uh, common today still. And on the 10th day, known as the Day of Atonement, or on the Jewish calendar, Yom Kippur, this was a great sacrifice given for God's, asking for God's forgiveness after this period of repentance This is also the day that the high priest would enter, would be the one day of the year that the high priest would be able to enter into the Holy of Holies. So in a sense, we have the period of repentance, then we have the atonement, the sacrifice for the sins of the people, and a sense of forgiveness for those sins. And then finally on the 15th day, we have the Feast of the Tabernacles, also known as the Feast of Ingathering or the Feast of Booths, which was a time of thanksgiving for the harvest. An eight-day period to uh, rejoice in what the Lord had provided, the bounties of the harvest and in the blessings that he had given. If we look at uh, Leviticus 23, 39, it says, in the 15th day of the seventh month, When ye have gathered in the fruit of the land, ye shall keep a feast unto the Lord, seven days. On the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. And ye shall take you on the first day the boughs of goodly trees, branches of palm trees, and the boughs of thick trees, and willows of the brook, and ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days." And ye shall keep a feast it a feast unto the Lord seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. Ye shall celebrate it in the seventh month. Ye shall dwell in booths seven days. All that are Israelites born shall dwell in booths, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God." So the children of Israel were told to build these booths and to, uh, to live in them uh, during the period of the Feast of the Tabernacles. And these booths, of course, were, were temporary shelters to remind them of the time that they spent between being freed from Egypt and being able to enter the promised land. A trip, of course, as uh, one theologian said, that should have taken 40 days, but instead took 40 years. So, we see back when the law was given that God denoted this time of thanksgiving. And still today, uh, the Jewish people build these, these temporary dwellings and uh, practice this time, time of thanksgiving. So that is Thanksgiving past. If we go to Thanksgiving present, which I'm going to uh, broadly define here as uh, 1620 to today, the modern era of Thanksgiving. Again, historians tell us that yes, there were other there were other Thanksgiving uh, celebrations in the New World before the pilgrims came in 1620. And, of course, we know that uh, that uh, first winter, many of them died, especially uh, the, especially, it was especially hard on the, the older women leaving mostly men and some children. Only four married women were left to celebrate the uh, Thanksgiving feast um, the following year. And we know that the pilgrims experienced many, many hardships. But in 1621, we know that thanks to Squanto, who was able to not only speak English, but to also assist them with uh, learning how to plant and harvest in the new world, that the pilgrims brought forth uh, many, that their harvest was very bountiful, and that they felt that they were very blessed coming into the uh, late fall of 1621. We have actually only one first-person account of this, of what we commonly think of as the first Thanksgiving feast in the New World. One of the pilgrims, Edward Winslow, recorded. I'm going to semi-translate it here from uh, from the uh, English of the 1600s. Our harvest being gotten in, our governor sent four men on a following I assume that's hunting fowls, so that we might, after a special manner, rejoice together after we had gathered the fruits of our labors. They four in one day killed as much fowl as, with a little help beside, served the company almost a week, at which time, among other recreations, we exercised our arms we, shouted, we celebrated by, by firing off our, uh, our guns and firearms. Many of the Indians coming amongst us and amongst the rest, their great king, Massasoit, with some 90 men, whom we for three days we entertained and feasted, and they went out and killed five deer, which they brought to the plantation and bestowed on our governor, and upon the captain and others. And although it not always be, and though it be not always so plentifully, plentiful as it was this time with us, yet by the goodness of God, we are so far from want that we often wish you partakers of our plenty. So the Indians brought approximately uh, 90, 90 people to the first feast. The pilgrims had only 53 survivors after the long, the long winter. Again, 22 men, four married women, five adolescent girls, nine adolescent boys, and 13 young children. So in spite of the hardships of the, uh, the previous winter, they came together to celebrate, as current writers say. Well, we were the Indians. Uh, we're, did the uh, we we have this picture that they invited the Indians to uh, the Native Americans to celebrate with them? Of course, uh, based on the only historical account, it almost sounds more like uh, it uh, almost sounds more like they showed up, but the good thing was is that they were able to come together and in spite of the many things that are written today analyzing, you know, the political currents of this and you know looking forward to to the the ultimate uh, indignities that the native american people were to suffer in the future. What did happen here between the early pilgrims and the Indians, of course they weren't known as pilgrims then, that of course is also a later, a later application of the word. What did happen though was that they came together in a time of peace that held for, and the the relationships the bonds that they they held held together for over 40 years for over a generation And the struggle that we have sometimes today is that you know we we have we have uh, there's two sides to every story, and we have people that you know that that want to perhaps you know say, well, you know this really wasn't that significant. The only reason that we remember this is because that the the uh, Succeeding generations of the pilgrims that they thought this was important, and there was a, a uh, write-in uh, you know that that uh, there was a public public sentiment that came together that that uh, created this need for this this uh, desire to have this this holiday. and you know it was celebrated in other times in other places, and perhaps that our celebration of the first Thanksgiving is, is somewhat, um, I don't know, overdone as, as compared to its place in history. I don't think, though, in retrospect, that we should minimize the effects of this first Thanksgiving. I don't think we should ever minimize the fact that people came together to celebrate God's goodness and to thank him for his pleasure that he's bestowed upon mankind. If we go to Abraham Lincoln's proclamation of of Thanksgiving on October 3rd, 1863, This, occurred, of course, occurred with the backdrop of the Battle of Gettysburg taking place the the previous July, the same year in July 1st to 3rd. Uh, Gettysburg, of course, is considered to be the turning point of the Civil War and also was the battle that had the largest number of casualties in the Civil War. And yet, on October 3rd, the same year, Lincoln uh, proclaimed uh, a day of Thanksgiving. And after discussing the challenges of the Civil War and the successes that the Union had had and the prosperity that God had bestowed upon the nation in spite of, in spite of these challenges, he said this, No human counsel hath devised, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who while dealing with us in anger for our sins, hath nevertheless remembered mercy. It has seemed to me fit and proper that they should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart, and one voice by the whole American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States, also those who are at sea, and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our Beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. And I recommend to them that while offering up the ascriptions justly due to him for such singular deliverances and blessings, they do also with humble penitence for our national perseverance and perverseness and disobedience commend to his tender care all those who have become widows, orphans, mourners, or sufferers in the lamentable civil strife in which we are unavoidably engaged and fervently implore the interposition of the Almighty Hand to heal the wounds of the nation and to restore it, as soon as may be consistent with the divine purposes and to the full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union. So if you notice in this Thanksgiving time in 1863, we have echoes of the... Three feasts of the uh, of the uh, the building up of the uh, seeking repentance of the seeking of uh, national repentance, plus the remembering the atoning sacrifice, plus then then the time of thanksgiving, and I think that perhaps today, as we look at this, that we need to also remember that Thanksgiving has a prerequisite, so to speak, that of repentance and that of sacrifice, a sacrifice to um, atone for, for the sins. So I don't think we should forget that. But on the other hand, I want to move and to remember that today is Thanksgiving. That today, the time of repentance, the time of the sacrifice is past. In the New Testament, of course, we see that Jesus, that Jesus was our atoning sacrifice. We see that when Jesus died on the cross, The Bible records in Mark, Matthew, and uh, I believe Luke that the veil of the temple was ripped in two parts. And we see that in the Day of Atonement that once a year the high priest could come into the Holy of Holies, come before God and have that relationship with God that finally, after the repentance and the sacrifices and the atonement, that the time of thanksgiving, the time of, the relation, of building a relationship with God, could happen. And in Jesus Christ, we have this same atonement. We have the power to come into the Holy of Holies, to have a relationship with God, to experience this relationship and to have thanksgiving, to put into the past the sins of the past, to put into the past the atrocities of the past, to put into the past all these things that have happened that we cannot cleanse ourselves of, that we cannot get rid of. And we are invited to experience joy and thanksgiving. Today, for some reason, the last couple of years, we, there's a lot of studies here on, uh, on gratitude and on the importance of thanksgiving in everyone's lives. And people are encouraged to, to journal daily, you know, their thoughts of, their thoughts of thanksgiving to, um, you know, to help them to stay positive, to help them to stay encouraged, and to, um, to be able to stand up against the adversities that they are facing today, whether it be the pandemic, or the uh, residue of the pandemic, or the, the challenges that you know, I see in many of my students the mental anguish and uh, challenges of modern living and social media. But it was interesting to me in a recent study that said that uh, Reflecting once a day in a gratitude journal is not enough. Uh, The authors of the study wrote, if someone lets you in amid traffic, stop and experience it. Don't let the moment slip away without inviting the feeling of gratitude not just saying a quick thank you, but making space for a full moment of grateful acknowledgement. So this study showed that these moments of gratitude were were, uh, very important in people's life and that making them pervasive throughout our lives helps give us mental stability, helps um, encourage positive emotions, helps us to persevere amid the struggles of this life. In fact, they said, for many religious people, this practice will be familiar. It's the habit of constantly giving thanks in prayer. Thank you, secular academics, for that great insight. 1 Thessalonians 5:5. In everything give thanks, pray without ceasing. So, for us today in the 21st century, thanksgiving is still important not just today the day of thanksgiving but every day of our lives every moment of our lives we need to be looking for things that we can give thanks we need to be looking for what god what provision god has given us for the moment it needs to be pervasive in our lives And if it's pervasive in our lives, we have some things to look forward to. The Thanksgiving of the future. Zechariah 14. In verse, uh, well, the the first verses of Zechariah 14 start with a prophecy of how the Lord is going to rescue Jerusalem in this great battle, and how He's going to rescue the Jewish people and usher in an era of peace. I will defer from using the M word for those that were here in Bible study last week. But this period of peace, uh, starting with verse 9, it says, And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord and his name one. And all of the land shall be turned as a plain from Geba to Remon, south of Jerusalem, and it shall be lifted up and inhabited in her palace from Benjamin's gate unto the place of the first gate, unto the corner gate, and from the tower of Hananiel unto the king's winepresses. And men shall dwell in it, and there shall be no more utter destruction, but Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited. Habited. Skipping to the 16th verse. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And it shall be that whoso will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, even upon them there shall be no rain. And if the family of Egypt go not up, and come not, that have no rain, there shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite the heathen that come not up to keep the feast of the tabernacles. This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all nations that come not up to keep the feast of the tabernacles. In that day there shall be upon the bells of the horses holiness unto the Lord And the pots in the Lord's house shall be like the bowls before the altar. Yea, every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holiness unto the Lord of hosts. And all they that sacrifice shall come and take of them and settle therein. And in that day there shall be no more the Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. Here is... The feast of the tabernacles, the feast of the ingathering, thanksgiving, celebrated in the future, not just by the Jewish people, but by the Gentiles, by all nations of the earth coming to Jerusalem to celebrate and bring their thanksgivings before the Lord. So the Jewish Feast of Sukkot, as it's called, Feast of the Tabernacles, Feast of Booths, looks forward to a day when this will not be a mere Jewish celebration, but a celebration of the Gentiles and the Jews together, of all the nations of the earth, And I have to ask myself on Thanksgiving do we have an obligation or certain obligations to make, to look forward into the future and see How we can help enhance this feast of the future. And while personally, of course, a daily life of gratitude is important. There's also another another aspect of Thanksgiving that I've been thinking about the last couple days. And that is thought of things that happened in the last Thanksgiving. I've been thinking about the role of immigrants and the role of natives. Scenes from the Thanksgiving past, of course. We have Squanto, who was sold as a slave taken to Spain, eventually to England, where, according to some accounts, he was rescued by Christian friars from slavery, and he gained, uh, regardless of the account, he gained fluency in English, came back to the US, or to, uh, came back to Massachusetts was now Massachusetts, found that his previous tribe from which he had been stolen away and sold into slavery from, that they had all been wiped out by diseases brought by the immigrants. So Squanto could have been bitter against those immigrants, but he was not. Instead, he came to their aid. He helped them, became a mediator between the natives and the immigrants and helped them to survive And I have to think what challenges or difficulties that you know we know we know again that things were not always did not always go well in the relationship between the the immigrants and the natives even in those 40 years of of overall peace and yet um, in spite of the cultural differences in spite of the challenges they faced they were able to come together to celebrate this Thanksgiving and to uh, work together to come together with alliance where pro- to provide uh, joint protection for each other. And then if I jump forward many years, many of our forefathers and foremothers, of course, came to this continent as immigrants. Um, They were not always thought of in the the best life. Um, My my father's family came in the 1850s and uh, mostly uh, stayed in their own community, spoke German to each other for over 50 years. Then came World War I. Germans were not really appreciated. Those immigrants, those German immigrants were not really appreciated in the U.S. during World War I, if you can believe that. In fact, uh, according to one of my great aunt's stories, someone uh, painted a yellow streak down the front of our church door buildings of our German-speaking churches' buildings. And, of course, by my parents' generation, uh, no one uh, passed on the German language to us because uh, that was something that uh, quickly quickly went away during those years. We know in World War II, of course, the Japanese were not uh, well-liked here in America. And uh, Germans, of course, uh, Brother Bob has shared that... Uh, uh, in World War II, that uh, the German German families in Mansfield were not uh, were uh, often looked down on, and so I think it's important that we look at the uh, that we, in our hearts, we look at our ourselves, and we start thinking about you know who do we perceive as the uh, we who think we are now native, who do we perceive as immigrants? Who do we perceive as, as others in our society? Uh, Brother Bob's also recounted before, during 9-11, based on his you know, memory of growing up after World War II and the, the things that his family suffered for being German, that when 9-11 occurred, that they had a Muslim family in their neighborhood, and he and Sister Leona reached out to them. And I think that, you know, in our society today where we like to, we like to talk past each other, we like, to, we like to stay with our own groups, that it's very important for us that as we look forward to Thanksgiving in the future, that we begin to remember you know, that, that Christ's sacrifice, Christ's atoning sacrifice that allows us to have thanksgiving, was for all people. And that we, as believers, again, we are the immigrants. We are the ones who were grafted into Christianity. We are, we are the ones that were grafted into the, the Jewish nation. Another recent study was done, and the study went this way. Those of you that are European football fans, also known as soccer here in the U.S., before there was American football, there was this thing that the rest of the world called, uh, called football, which we call soccer. And there are these two rival teams, Manchester United and Liverpool in England, and they are bitter rivals. The fans from these two teams often uh, often fight and uh, have disrupted uh, disrupted the proceedings, just the proceedings of the game, both before and after. And so a study was done where they took Manchester United. Fans, and they brought them into this room, and they went. They proceeded to give them uh, some readings and some some uh, things to do that reinforced their reinforced their vision as part of the Manchester United fandom. And of course, if you are a Manchester United fan, you must hate anyone from the Liverpool team, right? So as part of this experiment, they, they put these people through these, this process, and then they sent them out. And then they had uh, uh, three different groups, and uh, one group was meant by a person who fell down, fell down the hill near them and was injured. And one time, it was some, someone wearing a Manchester United jersey. Another time, it was someone just wearing a blank T-shirt. And the third time, it was someone wearing a Liverpool jersey. So guess where who most of the Manchester United fans stopped to help? All but one of them stopped to help the... Uh, that witnessed the person with the Manchester United jersey falling, stopped to help them. When it was the Liverpool, the man in the Liverpool jersey that fell and injured himself, only 30% stopped to help them. So they went on to a second study, redid the study. This time, though, instead of focusing on their group identity as Manchester United fans, the exercise that they did focused on them as the, uh, the greatness of the history of soccer, the glories of, of soccer in general, and nothing specific about Manchester United, right? This time, when this group left the study and walked out, again, a man in a Liverpool jersey fell down the hill and was injured. This time, 70% stopped and helped him, as opposed to 30% prior to this. So. The difference was in which group they identified with, right? When they were only looking at themselves as Manchester United fans, they only helped the person with the Manchester United jersey. When they looked at themselves as soccer fans, they helped both the Manchester United person and the Liverpool person for the most part, right? 80 and 70%. So today, I think, on this Thanksgiving and looking forward to the Thanksgiving of the future, we have to think about what group are we identifying with. Are we identifying as an immigrant or are we identifying as a native? And if we look forward to the, the final Thanksgiving of the future, Revelation 7, first part of Revelation 7 talks about all those in the Jewish family that are going to be present in heaven, 12,000 from each of the tribes, and then it goes on to say in verse 9, of Revelation 7. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, and clothed with white robes and psalms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon our thr- the throne, and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So today, I want you to remember Thanksgiving past. I want you to remember how God instituted Thanksgiving long, long ago for the Jewish people. I want you to think about the Thanksgivings present here that we've had in this land. Remember the pilgrim story, remember the way that they were able to come together with those that were very different from them, with those that they felt threatened them, and were able to create at least a temporary period of peace. And finally, I want you to look forward to Thanksgiving of the future. I want you to look forward to the period of peace we may not be allowed to experience it, but I want you to look forward to in, the new, in Jerusalem, but I want you to, to look forward to the new Jerusalem in heaven and think about how one day we are to be there with all, the Jews and the Gentiles together and all the nations of the earth together worshiping God. And I want us to think about how on this earth in the present yet that we can reach out to those that we come in contact with each day if we can perhaps look past our tribal identities, our identities that we, our boxes that we put ourselves in and think about the need for salvation and the desire to have some of every tribe and kindred to be there in heaven and to think about what that means for us today, how that through the gratitude for what God has given us, that we, and the mercy that God has given us in his sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, that we can somehow reach out to others, that we can somehow span the boundaries, span span the, the challenges that we face to reach out to others and to bring a thanksgiving to others through sharing the word and for sharing what Jesus has done to us and being willing to embrace this larger future Thanksgiving when we can celebrate not only with our families but all the families of the earth may God bless his word